Tis the season, preparing for cyber attacks over the holidays, and why the mythologizing of hackers and defenders does us no favors. These stories and more in this week's ISMG Security Report. Hi, I'm Anna Delaney. It's the holiday season. We know it's coming, and yet we are still ill-prepared. It's worth remembering that there are no days off for ransomware attackers, and a lack of preparation for attacks on holidays and weekends can get defenders into deep trouble. Sam Curry, CSO of Cyber Reason, spoke with our VP of Editorial, Tom Field, and shares a message to critical infrastructure operators and business enterprises for the 2021 holiday season. So first of all, think ahead. The old saying, you go to war with the army you have. There are some holidays and weekends that short term that you are not going to make much in the way of technical improvements. Don't complicate your defensive battle plan now. Like this week, don't change your, your reference architecture or try to do a monolithic project by, by Thanksgiving. In the medium term, there's a set of things you can do, but in the long term, you can get much better. In fact, short term, you're probably going to want to do Slight tweaking the process. Make sure there's a schedule. Pay people some overtime to work through the holidays. Some of them will appreciate that. Now, don't, for instance, go and change what your SIM solution is. That's not a good move right now. But I'm going to suggest it's really about incremental improvement and to understand the seasonality of the attacks and not just the seasonality of your business. And, And that means pull up the calendar, understand everywhere you operate and what the major holidays are, and make sure you have plans to... Just like a retail organization, we're going to slow down in a certain period and go stable in security, and we're going to ramp up the human component, and we're going to get better at this over time. Incremental improvement. You're listening to the ISMG Security Report on ISMG Radio. ISMG, your number one source for information security news. Cybercrime came to the country of Ireland this year in a big way with the attack in May by the Conti Ransomware Group on the country's health service executive, which is its national health service. Joining me to discuss is Matthew Schwartz, executive editor of Data Breach Today in Europe. So Matt, you were in Dublin last week at the annual IrisCon Cybercrime Conference, and I'm guessing the attack on HSE was a big focus. Definitely. And it was great to be traveling again and to get to go to a cybersecurity summit, which saw a lot of representation from Ireland. And we also had people coming in from the UK and beyond. So topically, yes, cybercrime, a big issue in Ireland in a way. Obviously, there's been cybercrime before, but the public at large now is certainly better aware of it with the attack on their national health service. This was huge. This was massively disruptive. It led to surgeries being canceled. Blood test results couldn't be obtained in some cases for months. The country brought in the army to help wipe and restore all of the many laptops and other systems that had been crypto locked by these illicit profit-seeking ransomware criminals. So as I said, there was a big topic of focus. One of the speakers at the conference was Kieran Martin. He stood up Britain's National Cybersecurity Center in 2014 and led it until last year. And as he said, 2021 is the year cyber harm came to Ireland in a very, very obvious way. But this wasn't the only ransomware attack to have hit Ireland. Jen Ellis of Rapid7, who co-chaired the Ransomware Task Force, which earlier this year issued a number of recommendations for how to better tackle ransomware, 
noted that as far as she knew, based on the public record, two universities or colleges in Ireland, as well as the consultancy Accenture headquartered in Ireland, and possibly more organizations in Ireland had also been hit by ransomware attackers. And she just noted that these attacks everywhere, including in Ireland, are massively underreported. So again, this would just be the tip of the iceberg. And we continue to see ransomware pummeling businesses worldwide. And as you say, Ireland hasn't been exempt. No. And it's important to emphasize that this cybercrime conference has been happening annually since 2009, except for last year, due to a pandemic pause. Once again, this isn't about doom and gloom. Oh, goodness, these horrible cyber criminals are out to get us. But it's about what we can do about it. And it's focused on, okay, here's the problem, these various flavors of cybercrime. What's the solution? So another speaker was Bob McCardle. He's spoken with us in the past. He's great. He's based in the West of Ireland, works with Trend Micro's forward-looking threat team. And his big point to attendees is that, yes, ransomware is one of the big threats that you need to counter, but the actual ransomware portion of a ransomware attack is often only maybe the last 10% or 15% of the attack. Before that, attackers are typically using highly automated tools to try to find exploitable vulnerabilities, using those to gain access to a network, then attempting to move laterally, escalate their privileges, all in search of domain admin rights. So for that 75%, 80% of the attack, it gives defenders a chance to see what's going on if the attackers have gotten in. And so he said, this is what you really need to focus on if you're defending against ransomware. Focus on what these affiliates of the ransomware gangs who are breaking in are trying to do. Because if they can't deploy their ransomware, they can't extort you. So although the specter of ransomware looms large, there's a lot of nuance around what that actually means, as with so many things involving cybersecurity or cyber attacks. Exactly. Define ransomware. Well, as uh, Bob McArdle said, it's basically digital extortion with a blackmail chaser. It's complicated just because criminals have innovated so well when it comes to finding great new ways for them to shake organizations down. So back to Karen Martin, who's now a professor at the University of Oxford. He said the imperative with cyber attacks is, for starters, to always try to ascertain harm. So starting with what actual harm are we here to defend against and how likely is it to happen? Secondly, who are the harmers or what should we worry about and why? And then finally, what strategies will reduce the harms we face? So attempting to take these nebulous, scary sounding things like cybercrime and ransomware and just to define them, what do we mean when we say that? Because as Martin warned attendees at the conference, it's really easy to inflate threats. But if we do that, we don't do ourselves any favors when we're trying to defend against them. So it's quite clear that language matters. Definitely. And of course, we know the industry tends to hyperbole. Just look at any illustration on any mainstream story about a hacker. There's a faceless entity in a hoodie conjuring up zeros and ones around them. I mean, how can you defend against what Victoria Baines, another speaker at the conference, called these magicians, right? There's no defense against that. And so... Dr. Victoria Baines, in her talk, she's a former law enforcement intelligence analyst. She's now an academic. She was focused on these incorrect, if you will, portrayals or portrayals that don't do us any favors. For example, she cautioned against mythologizing either hackers or our people who defend our IT networks. She said the more people say that the people who work in cyber are superheroes, the more that raises expectations. 
And we know that these expectations are already unreasonable and having harmful effects to the workforce. The amount that they're being called in to help mitigate nights, weekends, holidays, the ever-present specter of attack without, in many cases, we hear sufficient resources. So as with staffing, as with defense, we need to, I think, articulate better, this is what the presenters were saying, exactly the threat we're facing and the common sense next steps we can take to deal with it in a manner that doesn't lead to burnout for people on the front lines and which is best poised to counter the fact that criminals continue trying to exploit our networks. So moral of the story, perhaps, we need less mythologizing and more straight talk. Exactly so. And finally, COVID-19 deaths are down in some parts of the US, but infection rates are up, the situation familiar to many other parts of the world. So what does this mean as enterprises work towards further reopening? Well, Tom Field caught up with a regular contributor and voice of reason pandemic expert Regina Phelps, who shares advice as to how employers can plan and implement a return to the workplace in a way that cares for their people and safeguards their health and well-being. So you need to understand people's vaccine status. Employees are very much talking amongst each other. They kind of know if people are vaccinated or not. I've asked all my employers that we work for, one of the first things they should be doing in preparation for a potential vaccine mandate in the U.S. is doing a survey and finding out if people are vaccinated or not, because that gives you an idea. But employees are talking amongst each other and they kind of have an idea as well. So understanding the vaccine status is really important. And I would also say to you that many people are considering a test out strategy which is be part of the Biden OSHA regulation. You know, and then thinking through all of that, I could talk with you for a long time about the challenge of that because of getting test results back in a timely manner. You know, what does that mean? And those are a lot of things that to peel back to really look at mandates. So testing as being an option. Ventilation. I hope between the pandemic of March of 2020 and where we are now that businesses have actually embraced looking at better ventilation and getting um, you know, HEPA filters where they can't do that and increasing airflow in a building and things like having MER 13 filters. Those are all really important. You know, and then making sure that if people are vulnerable, that you're doing things that you can to keep them safe. And so many employers are, when they're finding out people have certain vulnerabilities, are letting them continue to work from home. That's it from the ISMG Security Report. Theme music is by Ithaca Audio. I'm Anna Delaney. Have a happy Thanksgiving. Until next time. Oh,